Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. Today, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, we'll talk about how the Irish language influenced the Australian language. And then we'll talk about abbreviations, acronyms, and initialisms. This first segment is by Howard Manns and Kate Burridge. Australian English decidedly finds its origins in British English. But when it comes to chasing down Irish influence, there are, to paraphrase Donald Rumsfeld, there are some known unknowns, some unknown knowns, and a bucket of furfies, a name for rumors or false stories. The first Irish settlers, about half of whom were reputedly Irish language speakers, were viewed with suspicion and derision. This is reflected in the early Australian English words used to describe those who came from Patland, a blend of paddy and land. The Irish were guided by Paddy's lantern, the moon, their homes adorned with Irish curtains, cobwebs, and their hot-headedness saw them have a paddy or paddy out. These Irish were said to follow Rafferty's rules, an eponym from the surname Rafferty, which meant no rules at all. More than a few Irish were larrikins. In his book, Austral English, E.E. E. Morris reports that in 1869, an Irish Sergeant Dalton charged a young prisoner with a larrikin about the streets, an Irish pronunciation of larking or getting up to mischief. When asked to repeat by the magistrate, Dalton said, a larrikin, your worship. This Irish origin of larrikin had legs for many years and perhaps still does. Unfortunately, here we have our first furphy, with more compelling evidence linking larrikin to a British dialect word meaning mischief or frolicsome youth. But if larrikin language is anything to go by, these youths went way beyond mischievous frolicking. Jump someone's liver out, put the boot in, stonker, rip into, go the knuckle on, and weigh into are just some items from the larrikin's lexicon of fighting words. With the Dalton furphy, though, we see evidence of something called apenthesis, the insertion of extra sounds. Just as Dalton added a vowel after his trilled R in alarican, which I can't do, um, many Aussies add a vowel to words like known and film, making them sound like known and film. And here we see a potential influence of the Irish accent on Australian English. 
In contrast to Larrikin, the word Sheila is incontrovertibly Irish. Popular belief derives it from the proper name Sheila, used as the female counterpart to Patty, a general reference to Irish males. Author Dymphna Lonergan, in her book Sounds Irish, prefers to derive it from Irish Gaelic Sheila, spelled S-accented-I-L-E, meaning homosexual, noting Sheila wasn't a particularly popular Irish name as it began to appear down under. Significantly, though, St. Patrick had a wife or mother named Sheila, and the day after St. Patty's Day was once celebrated as Sheila's Day. So Sheila was something of a celebrity. Barrack is another likely Irish-inspired expression. A range of competing origins have been posited for this one, including the aboriginal Wadarong word borak, meaning no, not, and links to the Victorian military barracks in Melbourne. But the most likely origin is the Northern Irish-English barrack, meaning to brag, be boastful of one's fighting powers. The word has since sprouted opposite uses. Australian barrackers shout noisy support for somebody, while British barrackers shout in criticism or protest. Perhaps surprisingly to many, the Irish were the first Europeans some Australian Aboriginal tribes encountered. This contact is evident in the presence of Irish words in some Aboriginal languages. For instance, in the Nimpa language of New South Wales, the word for shoe is pampu, P-A-M-P-U-U, likely linked to a kind of shoe associated with the Aran Islands in Ireland, pamputa, P-A-M-P-accented-U-T-A. I couldn't find recordings of the pronunciations of those words, which is why I'm spelling them for you too, just in case I have them wrong. Lonergan argues that more attention should be directed to this sort of Irish Gaelic influence. Lonergan points, for example, to archival evidence linking the origin of didgeridoo to an outsider's perception of how the instrument sounds, questioning the degree to which the sound corresponds to the word. As a counterargument, she notes that an Irish word, deutera, meaning trumpeter or hornblower, as well as Irish and Scots Gaelish do, meaning black, and duv, meaning native. She observes that Irish and Scots Gaelic speakers first encountering the instrument might well have called it a deuteradoo or a deugeradoo, based on those existing Irish words. Similar arguments are made for a number of other words traditionally viewed as having British English origins. The Australian National Dictionary sees chook as linked to a Northern English Scottish variation of chick. However, Lonergan notes that this is phonetically the same word, spelled T-I-O-C, the Irish would have used when calling chickens to feed. Chook, chook, chook. Another potential influence also comes from the transference of Irish meaning to English words. For example, the Australian National Dictionary is unclear to the exact origin of shout, meaning to buy a round of drinks. But Lonergan links it to Irish working in the gold fields, and an Irish phrase, gliach er doch, to call or shout for a drink. Lonergan posits that Irish miners translating to English might have selected shout rather than call. Shouting could easily have spread to English speakers as a useful way to get a drink in a noisy goldfields bar. Irish influence on Australian English is much like the influence of the Irish on Australians themselves. Less than you'd expect on the surface, but everywhere once you start looking. And those with a soft spot for Irish English might feel better knowing that some of their bet nors are in fact Irish. H, use, but, fillum, and noen. As Irish settlers entered the Australian melting pot, so too did a hearty dose of their language. 
That segment was written by Howard Manns, who's a lecturer in linguistics at Monash University, and Kate Burridge, who's a senior fellow at the Freiburg Institute for Advanced Studies and professor of linguistics at Monash University. It first appeared on The Conversation and appears here through a Creative Commons license. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Next, we'll talk about the difference between abbreviations, acronyms, and initialisms. Many people use the word acronym to describe any abbreviation made from the first letters of a string of words, but technically they aren't all acronyms. Sometimes they're called initialisms. So let's back up. Any shortened form of a word is an abbreviation. For example, ETC for etc. and OCT for October. But acronyms are a special kind of abbreviation that can be pronounced as a word, such as NASA for National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and OPEC for Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. This makes acronyms a subset of abbreviations. All acronyms are abbreviations, but not all abbreviations are acronyms. Initialisms are another type of abbreviation. They're often confused with acronyms because they're made up of letters, so they all look similar, but they can't be pronounced as words. FBI and CIA are examples of initialisms because they're made up of the first letters of Federal Bureau of Investigation and Central Intelligence Agency, respectively. But they aren't usually pronounced as words. 
Insiders sometimes call the FBI FIBI and the CIA CIA, but most of the world says FBI and CIA, so they're initialisms. So remember, initialisms are made from the first letter or letters of a string of words, but can't be pronounced as words themselves. Examples include FBI, CIA, FYI for for your information, and PR for public relations. Acronyms are made from the first letter or letters of a string of words, but are pronounced as if they were words themselves. Examples include NASA and NIMBY for not in my backyard. And abbreviations are any shortened form of a word. Sometimes acronyms like SCUBA become so common they're accepted as words in their own right. SCUBA was originally an acronym for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, but now dictionaries include it as a word. Sometimes it's not clear whether a word is an initialism or an acronym because people say it different ways. Take the abbreviation you see for rolling on the floor laughing. It's R-O-F-L. I've always pronounced it raffle as if it were an acronym, but when I surveyed my Twitter friends, I found that about half of them pronounce all the letters R-O-F-L. So to people like me, it's an acronym, and to people who say the letters, it's an initialism. And I don't have a good answer for what to call words like that. I guess we should just use the broader category and refer to them as abbreviations. You may be wondering whether you need to put periods after each letter in an acronym or initialism. Well, there's no strict rule. Some publications put periods after each letter, arguing that because each letter is essentially an abbreviation for a word, periods are necessary. Other publications don't put periods after each letter, arguing that the copy looks cleaner without them, and that because they're made up of all capital letters, the fact that they're abbreviations is implied. Finally, when you're using any kind of abbreviation in a formal document, it's important to spell out the entire phrase the first time you use it, and put your abbreviation in parentheses after the words so people know what your abbreviation means. This obviously doesn't apply to things like text messaging, but when you're writing in a professional way, you generally shouldn't assume that people know what your abbreviation means unless it's common in your industry or among your audience. Using abbreviations without defining them can make your writing sound jargony and insular. And when you're spelling out the phrase, the first letters aren't capitalized unless they'd normally be capitalized. For example, if you're writing about a measurement called the average daily volume and you put ADV in parentheses after the phrase, you don't capitalize the first letters of average daily volume in the text, even though you capitalize the letters in the abbreviation. The letters in the words are lowercase, just as they would be if you were writing them and not introducing an initialism. Finally this week, I have a familect story from an old friend. Hi, Mignon. It's your old friend, Marcy, and I have a familect story to share. This familect originated with friends who have been family to us since our oldest kids were born over 20 years ago, and it's used by both of our families. One morning, the dad, John, was making pancakes in the kitchen, while the mom, Jennifer, was trying to calculate insulin proportions for their diabetic preschooler. Jennifer laid out the variables out loud, and she asked John if a particular combination of insulin sounded right. He nodded. But then Jennifer reconsidered and asked if maybe she shouldn't do a different proportion instead. John, standing over the pancakes, nodded again, at which point Jennifer said, well, which is it? John was startled and turned around and said, what are you talking about? Jennifer asked, if you weren't paying attention, why were you nodding? And John replied, I was nodding at the pancakes. 
And that is how nodding at the pancakes became synonymous with not paying attention in a spacey way. Like, I've been calling your name for five minutes. Are you nodding at the pancakes over there? Or can you just repeat that last bit? I was totally nodding at the pancakes. And that's our Familect. Hope you're doing well. Take care. Thanks so much, Marcy. That made me laugh. And it was it was so nice to hear from you. If you want to call with the story of your Familect, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL. Call from a nice quiet place and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller, who has not yet lost at Wordle. Go, Emily. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin, and our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. That's all. Thanks for listening. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.